0: Yes, I mean, okay. Actually, uh, one thing I wanted to say before I started, is this meaningful, uh, it's really not about DBS, but it can apply there, it's, I mean, like reading through the Bible, uh, you know, in Genesis and Exodus this weekend, I was just devotional really through the whole thing, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, one of the things that really struck struck me was once you know once you got into the, the story and people got on the earth uh, where there was enough people to start producing family is how much children are brought up in those scriptures. Over and over and over, just randomly, uh, children are, are a focus in, in the Bible about making you know, God would always say, you know, or, you know, um, you know, make sure you take the little ones out to worship with you know, when he was trying to deliver them. Or, or even some of the people in the Bible mentioned the children, how much they needed to be cared for and taken care of. So just think right from the very beginning that God is just such a father to us and really wants us to, to, to really know him as a father. And that children are always on the father's heart, always on the father's mind. The other thing that really struck me i This is not my message, by the way. I'm just sharing things i was been meditating on this weekend for myself. It's how much, and this might sound kind of weird, how much the Bible is a book of brokenness. Uh, it's just a one broken story and one broken life right after the other, right after the other, right after the other, when you, when you really read and think about what's going on. Uh, with the people. and that's just humanity, right? That's humanity is a, a, a story of brokenness. Uh, thank you know. Thankfully, uh, the Bible goes on, right? You know, we come to a place where we see that it's not only a book of brokenness, but it's a book of healing, and it's a book of of setting people's lives in order and giving people an opportunity to, to really know the Lord. So. I just think those are sort of fascinating things about the Bible Uh, when you read large some parts of it at the same time. How much is this? It's a story that God's trying to tell us. It really is. And God has this story He wants to tell humanity, and it's a story of of of, of us as humans and God as who He is and how He wants to connect with us. It's just an amazing thing. I just pray that, Lord, give us all a hunger for the Word of the Lord, to read the Word of the Lord, and let God speak to us in a way we haven't heard in the past, and see, see, things, see different things from the Scripture. So many times we uh, approach the Bible with our own biases, right? We have a bias towards, you know, it's what we believe, what we've experienced, what we've been taught, and and that's normal, and that's... I would say lots of times that's a good thing. But it can can work against you. It can become a hindrance when you don't allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you something different and show you different aspects of Himself, of how He is and how He feels and how He thinks. And and that God doesn't hide Himself from a family that was uh, full of brokenness and full of, of insanity Uh, I'm talking about the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was just one disaster right after the other, family-wise. And I don't think God is... God was never ashamed of that. He was never ashamed that he had... uh, uh, One of the the daughters of Jacob was raped. He didn't hide that. And he didn't hide the fact that her brothers went out and brutally murdered a whole town of men over that. You know... And these were like the patriarchs, some of the patriarchs of Israel who actually did that. God doesn't hide any of those things from us. So we need to allow the Lord to, you know, look into our hearts and and allow ourselves to be naked before the Lord. And not be ashamed of who we are and not be ashamed of where we've come from. You know? Even if our families could be a disaster or, or we could be a disaster, or there's no shame in it because those are the people that God kept pursuing and kept working with and kept relating to over and over and over to get them, you know, to the place He wanted them. God's a, a there's so much more to this Christianity thing than we've given credits to. There's so much more to knowing God and walking with God then we've understood there's so much more to the kingdom of God and so much more to all this. And God really wants to reveal Himself to us in fresh ways and in new ways because He wants us to have a relationship with Him more than anything else. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, there you go. That's my 60-something, almost 70 chapters that I went through this weekend. I was just amazed at this amazing story. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to switch into another gear notch. So um, I'm again reading out of the uh, the Magusu Living Translation. That's what they, call they call it the New Living Translation, NLT. I don't think y'all, some of y'all have heard of that. But we call it the Magusu Living Translation he is the proponent of it. And so again, this week in honor of Hugh Marlin. I got all these NLT scriptures. They're great. It's great. Actually, that's why I was reading through the Bible. I wanted to read it through this different, different translation, you know, than ones I previously used. So, I'm going to be talking, I'm going to read this little story, Matthew 12, 1-7, and, and talk about this. About that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating these. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. That sounds crazy, does us, But to them, it seemed reasonable to say that. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves. That the priest on duty in the temple may, uh, I'm sorry about that. The so sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to do to eat. Help me, Lord. <laughs> and how you read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. This is a big deal. It may not sound like a big deal to us, but when Jesus was saying this, this was radical. I mean, ra- hey, I read something that Alice Cooper said. Y'all know who Alice Cooper is? <laughs> Alice Cooper says you can, something like you can trash motel rooms and uh, get drunk, but being a Christian is the most radical thing there is. Isn't that cool? Like all that other stuff, you people think it's radical doing all that other stuff. Well, that's not radical. Being a believer in Christ and following Christ is radical. Well, Jesus was speaking very radical here when he said that. It may not sound radical to us, but boy, I'll tell you what, it was going to a firestorm there for him. Then he says this amazing thing. But you would not condemn my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. If y'all remember correctly, if you were here, that was the scripture out there. That same verse, this is the second time that Jesus quoted that phrase. He quoted the first time. Uh, shared last week uh, in uh, Matthew 9 when they were upset with Jesus after he called Matthew to be his disciple and they went and ate with a bunch of Matthew's friends who were bad people and he quoted the same thing to him: I want you to show mercy in other words, mercy is, is greater than, than sacrifice, mercy yeah. is, is the thing that God's looking for uh, from us today He's not looking for us to make sacrifices to Him or for Him and do stuff for Him. He's really not interested in that, but I'll tell you what He is looking for. He's looking for people who will show mercy. He's looking for people who carry a revelation of mercy, not just a theological understanding of mercy or a definition of mercy. He's looking for people who will let this thing called mercy that's down in them, that's down in them, because mercy's in every born-again person. It's in you. Amen. Amen. So this is what we're talking about again today. But first of all, I want to talk about the spirit of religion that Jesus was confronting. Okay, because this is really important for us. Uh, just a couple little things about the spirit. Of religion. Years ago, I heard this guy uh, preach this message on the spirit of beguilement. I'm thinking, what the heck is that? The spirit of beguilement? I've never heard of that spirit. <laughs> I've heard of other spirits before. You know, like. You know like ha- uh, Let me just hush <laughs> <laughs> the Spirit of Begala <laughs> uh, Begala This is what Begala means It means deceive Deprive of by fraud Deceive Deprive of by fraud And what this man was saying Was that's what the religious spirit does The religious spirit's main job And what it works at in people's Is to deceive us And deprive us by fraud of the very thing that God died on the cross for. Our inheritance in Christ. Who we are in Christ. And what Christ has bought for us. There is an active, powerful spirit. That is a spirit of beguilement. That is at work in the world. And is at work in probably everybody in this room's heart. Whether you want to admit that or not. We are influenced by a spirit of religion. We don't even know. Because it uses Deception. You hear what I'm saying? It's a very dangerous spirit. It's a very powerful spirit. Okay? And what it does is its power is in deception. Its power is in infront. That's And that spirit, it still has that power. You know, the enemy has been disarmed. Jesus disarmed the devil at the cross. The Bible is clear on that. The devil is a defeated foe, but he has one weapon still in his arsenal. That's the power of lies. And that's how he has bound human beings. It's through lies, through deception, and through fraud. When we begin to buy in to what he says. And let me tell you something, the devil is always talking. I don't care what situation you're in, he is going to begin to speak to you. And try to wear you down, or try to talk you out of who you are, and what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Does anybody here hear those voices? That's what that's, the, the, that's that religious spirit. He's working at you. They're trying to take away who you are. It's a very powerful spirit, and so um, one of the signs. Okay, this is where I want us to get personal. It's great to have a message on mercy, okay, and get to know the Father of Mercies. But I'll tell you something. There's something for us besides getting to know something. There, there's something we got to see, okay. Now this is this is not easy, okay. <laughs> Because everybody in this room is guilty of this. Okay? We're all guilty of this. And so here's one of the signs of a religious spirit operating in your life, or of the fruits of a religious spirit, is an attitude of judgment. Amen. Both times, what I read to you last week, Matthew 9, and what I'm reading you today, have to do with the religious spirit and with people. They were criticizing and judging other people. Now, that's a hard, that's a hard pill, right? Because that is a hard pill. So, that's what Jesus said. You would not condemn. That's what he said. You would not condemn. You would not judge if you knew mercy. If you would just begin to understand what mercy is all about, you would stop that. You would put an end to that thing in your life. You 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 wouldn't do it no more is what he was saying. You would begin to show mercy instead of pointing your finger at people and finding fault and being critical towards other people. Our world is being consumed by criticism. Our world is being consumed by people judging other people just because they don't line up with what they believe or think. It's, it's, It's destructive. It's divisive. And so that's one of the signs uh, and what Jesus was saying. Mercy is a very powerful antidote to the religious spirit. Yes. So if we want to really begin to overcome this religious spirit, we've got to really tap into mercy. Yes. That's why James says in James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what he said. In other words, mercy is the way to, take, to, to dominate the spirit of religion. You want to dominate religion in your life, begin to show mercy. You can dominate religion by showing mercy. That's what James was talking about. We can dominate that spirit. We can overcome that spirit. We can bind that spirit when we begin to show mercy. That's what Jesus was saying there. That's what James was was. Uh, are y'all with me this morning? Yeah, yeah. Yes and Amen. All right. Here's another sign. Let me read this uh, Matthew seven one through five. I'm giving you one more sign of, of the. Real. there's many signs. These are two that stuck out to me. Uh, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. This is Jesus talking. Do not judge, judge others, and you will not be judged. That's pretty simple, right? That's what he said. That's the, that's the Lord himself saying that. For you will be treated as you treat others. Wow, isn't that something? The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Well, yeah, that's right. Yep, Lord. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your eye. Yeah. Why well, worry about that little speck in their eye when yeah. you're walking around with a big old log and every time yeah. you hit walk with somebody you turn around and hit them. you turn around and say something and it hits like it's that log coming out of your eye? That's what the Lord said to me one time that man you're just hurting people, Byron, because I was Well, I am not hurt them nothing, Lord. Yes you are. When you turn your head, you're hitting them with that log in your eye. <laughs> And at that time, I didn't know anything about this scripture here. And then I read, like, oh, Lord, help. I looked up log in the Bible, and there there you go. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll be, be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. There's an old saying that says, "Our present judgments of others are the are the seeds of our future sins." Our present judgments of others are the seeds of our future sins. That's really the truth. When we begin to judge other people, we set ourselves up to do the very same thing they're doing. The very same the thing you despise in people, the thing that you can't that's abhorrent to you. Is it, and when you begin to point your finger at that and judge that, is you're setting yourself up to do the very exact same thing. Is that not something? And here's Jesus warning us about that. You know, but here's what here's, here's what I want you to see in this. If you are a person who's interested in seeing and walking in the Spirit, anybody not interested in that? Nobody's interested That's right. I just want to make sure because this is one of the things that religious spirit will do the religious spirit will blind you from being able to see what the truth is, and be able to see what's really going on. That's what Jesus was saying. You can't. You're not able to see because of this criticism that you're carrying. You, you're not able to see. The the people in Jesus' hometown could not. See, when Jesus came, remember he came to his hometown, and he, one of the things it says he couldn't do any miracles there because the people rejected Jesus. They couldn't see him as a son of God. All they saw him as Jesus, the guy we grew up with. And they had a judgment against him. They had criticism against him. Who does this guy think he is saying all this? Jesus told, said the Pharisees, he said this to them, you got eyes to see, but you don't see. Everybody in this room has eyes to see, but not all of us are seeing. And one of the biggest things is because we're we have this judgment thing on us. We're walking around judging. We're walking around criticizing people. And it's hindering us from being able to really see what the Lord's really doing, and being able to to tap into the the heart and mind of God. Some of you are looking at me with a bad look on your face. You're either not liking what I'm saying, or you're you're daydreaming about what you had for supper last night. All right. Let me just continue whether you like this or not. Because I've got to finish. I mean, I'm just stuck here. You can tell me to believe, right? Listen here, I want to ask this question: Does this mean? Now, this is important. Does this mean we are to never judge? Now, I've just told you some things that Jesus said. He said, "Don't judge." Okay, right? So, this can become a big confusing factor in your life if you're if you're on the one hand we hear the Bible saying, "Don't judge." If the measure you use judging others us, is going to be measured back to you. We're seeing that the religious spirit, the manifestation of the religious spirit, is judging and being critical. So are we never to judge anything, Lord? That just seems like, that seems insane. How can we live in this world without having, being able to use judgment? Right? Well, I'm just trying to get you to get in on uh, John 7, 24. Look beneath the surface so you can judge Correctly, so it can't mean, or another version most of you all uh, for me was just judge righteous judgments. Don't judge by appearance; judge righteous judgments. So it can't mean when Jesus says, "Don't judge." It can't mean that we're never to judge. In other words, He's saying here: there's a, a righteous judgment. There's a correct judgment. And God expects us to have correct judgment. He doesn't expect us to just walk around in life and not have the correct judgment. But there's also a very incorrect judgment. And so we have to address the incorrect judgment in us first. Okay? To be able to get to the correct judgment. Are you following that? Yeah. Now the Bible, listen to me, the Bible has some clear statements on things that for, that we are forbidden to judge. It, it, there's some clear Statements in the scripture that says, "Don't judge this. Don't judge that." Okay, and, and that's important for us to know that. It's important for us to know the things that we that that, that, we're, that, the, that the, the, the Lord says. No, that is not for you to judge. You're that's outside your realm of authority. That we don't and because when we step into that, we step into the realm of religion, and then we step into getting blinded spiritually. And then we step in to setting ourselves up for future sins. Are y'all good? Yeah. Let me read three things. I'm just going to finish this. Okay? First of all, here's the, th- th- the things. And there's many more, obviously. I'm just giving to throw some things out there to you. Uh, you know, I want to tell you this. We sort of grew up on this judgment thing uh, as young believers. This was sort of like a regular thing in our life that was being taught to us back then those days. And, and one of the people who taught it was one of the greatest men ever was this guy named Arthur Byrne, who was a, a mighty man who had experienced many revivals and Muslim. of God was, had this connection with Smith Wigglesworth. I mean, this man was amazing. He understood something. He understood how damaging and how damning judging it is to Christians and how it takes Christians out of what they're supposed to do. It takes them out of their calling. It takes them out of their purpose. It shuts down the move of God. And so he that, he hammered that message over. And every time he would come, almost you would feel like he was preaching at you. Like, I'm just doing it, Lord, because I felt like I was consumed with, with being a person who judged. You know? and, I, and I felt like he would, it was like a godsend to have somebody to come to begin to correct that. In you, so you so I could tap into everything God had for me. I'm just telling you some background here. So here's one, okay, that we're not that we should never judge. This one right here tells us: you cannot judge according to outward appearance. Hear it. You can't judge based on just what something about somebody says or something somebody does. That's forbidden. That's forbidden by the scripture. Okay? So uh, this means that we cannot judge on the basis of insufficient information. Lack of true knowledge or unsubstantiated suspicions. Okay? Righteous judgment must be based on conclusive evidence. In other words, you can see Paula Orrick. Everybody knows Paula's an amazing person. Okay? You can see her giving Marlon Legucio a hug. (laughs) Everybody knows Marlon's a medicine man. They're all committed to me. I'm like, Lord, look at Paul. Paul, there's something going on between Paula and Marlon. Pastor Byron, you've got to call them in and talk to them. Because they were hugging in church. They seemed awful friendly to each other. And suddenly Marlon and Paul are guilty of something. There's poor Tim over at working, trying to support the family marries at home trying to get to keep the house clean and their spouses are out here being real too friendly with each other. <laughs> well stuff like that happens, like you say. And it's because a judgment was made. Y'all did not make it on that to <laughs> 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 They're both very secure people. I can hear right now. They're they do not get shook about, you know, if I'd have said that about somebody else in this room, I'm not gonna mention those that been in morning, down. Those would have be been more and They've been angry with him, So, I don't make more than a man because he's too big. It's <laughs> like I told some guys one time, like, Dude, y'all Dad, he's a monster. He's a mad. <laughs> he's a big man. <laughs> anyway, that's true. One time there was this other guy, I won't mention his name, but he did have red hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and
0: he was best one more. Him and Molly had gotten in this argument. I don't think I've told this story before. I don't know. I'll just never forget Marley coming in. They were out there in the back, coming in, sitting down. He said, "I had to come in here because I was fixing to feel like I was coming. I was gonna come to blows." Like, Thank you for coming in here because I would <laughs> have had to rush that guy to the hospital. <laughs> so we really do have to be careful about information that's just surfacing. We can't judge something. Right. You can't judge a person just because they have a different political view than you. You really can't. Because that's a circumstance. They may not even believe what they have stated. You know, they may just be doing it to rise other people up. You know what I'm saying? You can't, really, you can't really judge people like that. It's really not right. Uh, let me, Here's another one. We are not to judge people for stuff we do ourselves. This, that's a good one, right? This is Romans 2 through 3. You may think you condemn such people. Some of all the people in Romans 1, you know about that crowd, right? But you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished. You are condemning yourself. Isn't that something? for you who judge others do the very same things. You're condemning yourself. So when we, when there's things that we do in the same vein, or same, may not be the same exact thing, but in the same vein of life, and then when, when we see other people doing them and we judge them, we're actually bringing condemnation on ourselves. And so it's really clear that we can't do that. Y'all don't look happy. I don't blame you. I'm not happy about that for <laughs> Uh, Here's the other one. The other one is uh, we are not to judge in matter of opinion. Y'all got that? Boy. Romans 14 verse 1. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Some some people in this room have need to be convicted right now. About having arguments with people who are on the other side of you know, the left-right thing politically. Yeah. All you got to do is they're just weak in faith. That's all you got to do. They're just weak. In faith. If somebody says something or states something that you that this uh, is abrasive to you, you know what I'm saying, and you don't like it, you can just say they're just weak in faith. That's all it is. Eh? I'm not going to get an argument with them. They're weak and fucked. I don't need to mess with them. I don't need to come back at them and go after them. Because it's not going to be no good. And if you read Romans 14, Paul talks about food as one thing. Some people can eat some foods. Some people can't eat the other. Right? Vegetarians versus beef eaters. I don't really judge vegetarians. People have different days that they, you know, one person esteems one day holy. Other people esteem, uh, you know, any every day holy. And he would just say none of that matters. And those were just examples, okay, that he was giving. They, those were not the only thing, okay. It can be many things. It, it's in matters of opinion, okay. It's what he was trying to say. It's not in matters that really truly matter. It's not in in, in truth that God wants us to carry. It's just in the way people want to live their life. Okay? And he says, just don't argue and don't judge people for how they live and the way they want. There's an old saying that, others may, I may not. You got that? Others may do certain things. God may allow other people to do certain things. that He may say to you, that's perfectly fine for them to do that. It's perfectly fine for them to dress like that. It's perfectly fine for them to talk like that. But for you, it's not. Okay? And so that's how we have to learn how to live. That's really what Paul was trying to get to there. He wants us to learn how to live by the Spirit, of what the Spirit's telling us and how the Spirit wants to lead us. And it may not be exactly the way other people are led and how other people speak or eat or all that. Are y'all good? Yeah. So that's just a little bit on, on the judgment thing. But I think it's very important, okay, for us right now to, to overcome judgment in our lives, because I think we're sort of at a place where it's going to begin to hurt you, it's going to begin to uh, take away from you spiritually, and ultimately, when it begins to take away from you spiritually, it's going to begin to take away from you in your natural life. You're going to start losing ground in life, and in the favor of God and the blessings of God, you're not going to be able to tap into this easily and walk in, because you're not going to be able to see it, you're not going to be able to understand what He's doing, because of your judgments. I'm sorry that made Dean Stein mad. <laughs> that didn't make Dean mad. You gotta do some pretty bad stuff to make that man mad. And, uh, so I am want to talk a little bit more about mercy. Are y'all still good? Uh, I'm gonna talk about I don't want to end on just adjustment now. I'm gonna talk about the blessings yeah. of being merciful. Okay, because there's a lot of blessing here. Uh, Matthew 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, this is important. Is this saying we get God's mercy by being merciful? It appears to say that, but that's really not 100% true. Because then we would earn mercy. Okay, And mercy is a gift. Okay, If you look at the root word for mercy, it's the same word that you get the word womb. Like a woman's womb. So mercy is something that is in, that's down in us, down in the womb of our spirit. It's, it's, it's our new creation man, the person who was born again, that true person that you and I are when we're born again. Not just our outward man that's working through and being transformed and working through and allowing this new creation man to come forth and manifest through us, uh, mercy is, is in that person. Yeah. Okay? And, and really what 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 uh, the kingdom of God works like this. This is part of the, the Beatitudes of allowing this person, the true who you are, to begin to manifest up into your life and begin to show mercy. And when we, when we begin to, 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 to be merciful... Okay, when we begin to be merciful to people who don't deserve the mercy, who don't deserve it, then we're going to be able to see God's mercy in a greater way in our own lives. That's what he's talking about. I'm going to show you mercy you've never seen before. There's aspects of mercy that we've never walked into. And when we begin to allow the mercy we already have that's been deposited in us, when we begin to release that towards people, then we're going to get more mercy. We're going to see more mercy. Does that make sense? It's not a matter of performance. It's a matter of allowing what God has already placed in you to come forth in you. It's a matter of the grace of God, working with the mercy of God in our life. And it's really critical for us. You know? Because if you want to see the mercy of the Father, if you want to know that the Father of mercies, He asks us to be merciful. He just asks us to. You need to begin to show mercy yourself. Don't condemn people. Don't condemn them. Don't judge them. Don't be critical of them. And when you begin to do that, you begin to see mercy around you. You begin to tap into His mercy. And that's the way the things operate in God's kingdom. That's really important. Now let me read this one. I love that root word, mercy, Day, yeah. Blame. Yeah. Blame. I think this verse is... Uh, in the in some translation, maybe like like a King James, bowels. He used the word bowels. Bowels of murder. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Bowels. That sounds like potty talk. <laughs> Biblical potty talk. Bowels. Right. of somebody like, man, this is bad. <laughs> rough. You boys got some rough language in those days actually, when they say bows, they're talking about, they're talking about the wound, that bows of yourself, the innermost part of yourself. Isn't that powerful? And that's where mercy resides. Everybody in this room, in the innermost part of yourself, mercy's in there. If Christ is in there, mercy's in there. And Christ wants out, He wants to be released out of you and release that mercy to people. All right, now I'm going to read Isaiah 58. Y'all, how many people know about Isaiah 58? It's the chosen fast, the fast that the Lord chooses. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read this particular part. Woo, mercy, Lord, right? Uh, I love the way the New Living uh, states this also. It really brings a little bit of a different twist on it that, you know, really spoke to me when I read it. It says, then when you call, the Lord will answer. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord will it. And I'm going to tell you all something. Going back to my devotional reading. Over and over and over in the Bible, when people called out to the Lord, He responded Over and over. Thus far, 70 chapters into the Bible, I have not found one time where God did not respond to people that cried out to Him. He he responded every every time. Every single time. God responded when His people called out to Him. And if we'll call out to the Lord, I believe He'll respond. That's the record that He's given us. That he'll, he'll respond. He may not tell us what we want to hear. There was a few times He didn't say what everybody wanted to hear. Okay? Thus far in my 70 chapters. There was a couple of times they didn't want to hear what He had to say. They didn't like His answer, but it was the right answer. He, he responded. So I want to encourage you to do this. Then when you call the Lord, we'll answer Yes, this, this is it. This is God telling Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply, listen, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious wounds. Isn't that powerful? Yes. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious wounds. That's his reply when they called out to him. To stop it. Stop doing that. That was God's reply. Isn't that beautiful? And then he says this another amazing fact. He goes on. Okay? He, he goes on, and I believe he paints a picture of mercy. Okay? Beautiful mercy. First thing feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Feed the hungry and help that. What is it? Matthew 25 or Matthew 23? When Jesus, oh, listen to this, y'all. When Jesus it says when he when he's judges the nations, when he brings all the nations before him, and he's got the sheep nations and the goat nations. Y'all remember all that? And you know what he says to him? When I was hungry, he fed me. When I was thirsty, he gave me water. When I was naked, he clothed me. When I was sick in bed in the hospital or sick, he came and visited. When I was a prisoner, he came to the jail. That's what he said to the to the sheep. To the goats, he said, you didn't do all those things. Blah, blah, blah. Now, and they were saying, well, when do we do that to you, Lord? We never did that. He said, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Now, okay, he wasn't saying you earn your way into heaven by doing those things. Are y'all clear on this? That's one way to get into heaven. We don't, we don't earn nothing with God. It's all given. But what he was saying, if you've truly received me, if you're truly a follower of me, I want y'all to say hear this, if you're going to really follow me, you're going to feed the hungry. Because there's hungry people out there and I'm interested in the hungry people. Because that's one of the things that Martin mentioned this morning. Jesus, the things that Jesus did. And he was big into feeding people. I'm talking about bread and food, not just spiritual he was big into that. He was big into taking care of the poor. Jesus was. He had an eye for that. And I think what we have to get here is that's what mercy looks like. He's telling us there's what I call these two aspects of mercy: there's the hand aspect and the heart aspect. This is a very much a hand a hand aspect. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's real practical. It's, it's real. And the hard aspect is that other thing, is, is is being critical and judging. That Stop doing that thing. That's your heart. Don't do that. He don't leave it as just a don't. But he says, if you stop doing that, then you can do these other things. You can feed the, the people in trouble. You can help these people. Yeah. And they're, the poor is all around us. That's, that's what the Lord told me. Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere to get to the poor. They're around you, if you will let me, you know, enlighten your eyes. If you'll let me. Am, am I talking to anybody this time? Yeah. If you'll let me, I will begin to show you those poor people all around me. Now, I think that, that can apply spiritually. Obviously, it does. You know what I'm saying? But I think it applies practically too, naturally. And it's got to Because Jesus fed people bread and fish. That was real bread and fish. And one of the last things he did when he was on the earth is, Fish. Okay, okay. <laughs> Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then, now this is this is the beauty of it. See, there's benefit in this. There's, it's not like he said, "Okay, y'all need to do all that, and we're good. And, you know, you will be one of the sheep, and everything's gonna be good in the here and now." But no, then he said, "Then your light will shine out from the darkness." And the darkness around you will be bright as noon. Isn't that powerful? It will be bright as noon. The the difficulties, the trouble, the, the things. Your darkness. The things around you. He said there's this light coming. There's this revelation coming. There's going to be. It's not going to be dark in your life anymore. It's going to be light in your life. It's going to be daytime in your life. It's what He's promising. It is awesome. I'm excited about it. Uh, the Lord will guide you continually. The Lord will guide you. Anybody need any guidance from the Lord? Lord, like, well, I need some guidance. I got decisions to make, I got choices to make, I got things I gotta do. He's promising, I'll guide you. I'll do this for you. I promise you I'll do this. Okay? He will give you water when you are dry and restore your strength. Anybody need anybody feel dry or like spiritually dry? Or any dry, dryness. God you know, promises He will refresh us. He will give us new strength in our life. He wants us to do. This is pretty powerful, y'all. It really is. It's just like God's you know, antidote for all the, the bad stuff we go through. Um you will be like a well watered garden, like an ever flowing spring. Isn't that powerful? Does anybody believe this? Yes. I mean, seriously. I believe the Lord wants us to start believing what He said. I believe He does. That He wants to make us like a well-watered garden. And all the gardens around you may be dried up, full of weeds. You're well-watered. You're flourishing. So you can come to this garden and find help. And find the Lord there. Find He's with you. Some of you, this is cool, not all of you, but some of you will re- rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Yes. The deserted ruins. The place where the Holy Spirit no longer has His way. This calls desolation in cities. Literally. There's people who can really go to cities and completely turn them around. Go to, into the dark places in the cities and completely, completely turn them around. Some of you will do that. These are people who've tapped in this realm of mercy. Okay? And begin to release this mercy. There's some of them that go out and rebuild cities. There's some of them gonna go out there and stop poverty in cities. There's some of them that's going to go out there and get these kids that are being sexually abused and trafficked. And they're going to go get them. And they're going to, the people who are doing it, they're going to get those people and turn them over to the law and let the law deal with them. Now, that's what we call rebuilding something. Okay? And it all starts with the people who are walking in mercy. Showing mercy and not being judgmental, not being critical. Um, and, and then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the Bible, walls were like the protected the city. That was like the, the thing. It was, it was like rebuilding people's identities. Yeah. Okay? That's what it, you're going to rebuild people's identities. They're true identities. Okay? Isn't that powerful? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? You're going to restore homes, broken homes. Remember when I started out, I was talking about God with the children. He was always concerned about family. He was always concerned about homes. And that's one of his, his hearts all through the Bible. All through the Bible. It he, he never leaves. It never stops. He has this hunger to help people, help families, to help our homes be established, be places in Health and healing. Anyways, thank you, Lord, right? Amen. 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 Are you okay? Amen. Is the Lord speaking to anybody? Yeah. Yeah. I pray that you hear this this morning. Uh, not just this, this morning, but it would just get into us, Lord. Get into our hearts, Lord, uh, that we become those people of mercy, Lord. And we really know that mercy is a beautiful thing, Lord. <clears throat> And that there's some beauty that you want to release into our lives, Lord. i just asking you to do that, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you'd make a way where there is no way. Lord, you're going to do a new thing, Lord, and part of that new thing is you're going to make a way where there's no way for people. And you're inviting people into something. Now, one of the things the Lord spoke to me early this year was that whole thing about the, the, the sheep and the goats. And I've just thought about it, and thought about it, and thought about it. Like what is what can what can I do or what can, and I'm gonna tell you, all that stuff we're talking about here is messy. It's just messy. It's messy and it's hard. Okay? Now here's here's what I'm gonna say to you. That makes me not want to do it. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's too messy. It's too complicated. It's too hard to help poor people. It's just, you know, I can't figure out how to help them. You know, I don't want to just feed them a meal. I want to see their life change. And I don't know how to do that, Lord. You know, so it makes me back off. I'm just being honest with you. That's what happened to me. And the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. Okay? And this is what he told me. He said, acts of mercy are always something. Whether a person's life has changed, whether you get them out of poverty, whether you fix their life. But if you've helped them, if you have given them a glass of water when they're thirsty, God notes that. That's important to God. And God will do something for you. So He's not asking us to try to start and change the world and change everything. He's just asking us to begin to show mercy right where we're at. And as we begin to show that, maybe God will come in and do something that we can't do. Maybe the Holy Spirit will start releasing some wisdom about how to turn poverty around in people's lives. How to fix broken homes. And how to get rid of trafficking and all those things. Maybe He'll begin to give people wisdom if He just defines the people who's willing to just show some mercy. To show some mercy. All right. No, I'm just waiting at me badly. Okay, why don't y'all stand up? Y'all are a tough group, huh? Y'all are tough. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to help us. show mercy. I want you to raise your hand to the Lord right now. And I want you to say to no, the Lord, Lord, here I am. I want to show mercy. I don't have a plan, Lord. I'm too ignorant to have a plan. But you've got a plan, Jesus. I want to see so I can begin to show mercy where you're showing mercy. When you're releasing your mercy, I want to see it. So, I can join you in it. So, I give myself to you today to do that. To be a person who shows mercy. And Lord, today I'm laying down my criticism. I'm I'm not going to criticize anymore, I'm not going to point the finger anymore. And if I slip up and fall, which I probably will, I'm going to immediately repent and I'm going to get back to not doing it. So Lord, just release your anointing to me right now. Fill me with the Holy Ghost.